0: Hello from Bear and Kura, a podcast from the Land of Oz Information Services. I love you, Kura.
1: I love you too, Bear.
0: This is episode 55 of the Bear and Kura podcast. We're going to talk about technology. But first... Haunt Cub sent us a message on Twitter. And fortunately, direct messages on Twitter go to email because I haven't been on Twitter in months. Okay. This is something
1: new. I didn't know this happened, so.
0: Because he grew up not terribly far from me, I'm curious if Kura visited Great Adventure Action Park in Brigantine Castle.
1: Yes. Yes. Brigantine Castle was actually just an island north of us. But yeah, I've been to Brigantine Castle. And then Great Adventure went to during school trips and grade school. Some of my fond memories of going up there as a kid. But yeah, we used to go up there, uh, at least once a summer to Great Adventure. And then, uh, there was also Action Park, which was actually, uh, further north in New Jersey. We used to go there, but that was more known as like kind of the, a dangerous amusement park to go to. People got hurt, and I think a few people actually got killed there too by accident. But yeah, that's that's kind of neat. That yeah, I've been to all Is those that places.
0: the one that was north of Ocean City? That like, there's been a Netflix special about.
1: That's the one that yeah, Action Park was actually way north. It was up uh, near New York. New York actually, uh, there was a. Uh, I think it was either on Hulu. There was, there was a whole documentary about it. It was on Hulu or Netflix about, uh, how dangerous it was. And yeah, I have a few, stu- I got, I got pretty banged up there on a, they had a whitewater rapid, uh, ride that wasn't very safe. And I actually fell out of the raft and got cut up and bruised really bad on that, that trip. But when you're young and stupid, it's just fun. But there was people who would, who would almost drown in the wave pool all the time because, um, wave pools are, not very safe because they're freshwater and freshwater is not as buoyant as salt water. So when you're in the ocean and waves actually hit you, you float over the waves. Well when you're in a freshwater pool and it's a wave pool, the waves just kinda go over you. Uh you don't really float over top of the waves. So but yeah, it was it was neat, you know. But yeah, it was it was a risque <laughs> place. But now uh brigantine castle we went to quite a bit uh i went to a lot of high school parties on the beach up in brigantine actually
0: did you have to sign a waiver to go in
1: to go to action park
0: yeah no it was just um how did they keep from being sued to death
1: that's one of the reasons they're not open any longer
0: oh
1: yeah there's they used to have a ride where it was like a slide it was like uh, 80 feet in the air it was like straight down uh, people got hurt on that all the time. That sounds
0: uh, horrifying.
1: Yeah, it was it was dangerous. I remember um, the one time they like cliff diving, and it was like, not cliff diving, but it was like there's a 50-foot jump, and then there was like a 70- or 85-foot jump. A friend of mine lost his watch. It popped off, and uh, I wasn't going to jump because I didn't like heights. And they're like, well, if you don't jump in, it'll cost you $50 to get a diver to go down and get it. So I wound up jumping in and getting it myself. But yeah, there's, it was a real sketchy park. You know, as you get older, you look back at those things and you realize how sketchy it really was. But, um, yeah, there was, there was people who died and it got sued. Uh, it was a family owned action park. It was actually a, uh, a ski resort during the winter, just small. And then, uh, during the summer, it was, uh, just an amusement park with uh, action rides and stuff like that. I wish I knew the name of the show, but uh, it's definitely worth a watch to see how uh, how kind of crazy it was.
0: So if people do a Google search for Action Park di- documentary, they'll probably find it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's about an hour and a half long documentary. It's a really interesting show, but it brought back a lot of memories when I did watch it. I kind of believe that it just... You know, you don't think of things like that. And then when I saw it, I was like, yep, I brought back all of these memories.
0: Well, thank you, Jay, for sending us that question. Yeah, Yeah, thank you, Jay. I think you're the first to have ever done that.
1: Yes, he is. And thank you very much. If you have any other more questions like that, I'd be more than happy to talk about them also. So thank you, Jay.
0: And we can more easily be contacted by email or through Mastodon. If you go to our podcast web page, there's plenty of links to, to get to either one of those.
1: So, I guess we'll go on through the show now? Yes. Okay, so, what are the latest developments in artificial intelligence and machine learning?
0: Well, I imagine most people have heard about the artificial intelligence chat bot. Mm-hmm. You make a comment or ask a question and it it will basically talk to you they're finding out that m- many of the things that it that it says aren't the truth they're they're just they're 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 just lies
1: well doesn't it basically just search the internet
0: yeah the reason it tells lies is because people tell lies, mm-hmm. and it doesn't know what's the truth and what's the lie. It, it just sort of parrots back, you know, what it's found.
1: Yeah, some of the things that I've heard or read about it, it seems kind of creepy. But yeah, from what I've, you know, it seems very um, malicious almost to a, to a point.
0: Well, where that is mainly because... In order to get clicks, they write sensational stories, and they they find edge cases. You know where it does come up with some kind of ridiculous answer or something. And most of the answers are going to be pretty dull, and, and mm-hmm. they're they're not contrived at all. But those don't make people want to read the story. Yeah, so of course. They they find the weirdest ones to to cover. So
1: it's been manipulated and.
0: Yeah. I have, on occasion, used it to come up with questions. We we decide we, we want to do a topic on, a, on the podcast, and I ask it for some suggestions of questions, and most of the time they're spot on. Yeah. It's, I think it's
1: fascinating.
0: It's an enormous help in that regard. As, as well, long as you're not trying to consider something the truth you, you need to you need to investigate
1: yeah well it's pretty fascinating just in general because i mean it pretty much uses the whole world web for all of its information doesn't it yeah so i mean they can pick up on things that aren't true that aren't factual and put those into i guess it's information that it gives out then too
0: and there is a version where you describe a scene and it draws a picture. Well, it, it makes a picture. Some of them look like photographs. Some of them look like kindergarten <laughs> drawings. Hmm. A while back, when it, before it became popular, I went on and had it generate all kinds of pictures of different topics that we could use on the podcast. And I saved them. And those are pretty much all the covers for our episodes are all generated by artificial intelligence.
1: Oh, that's pretty neat. I wasn't aware of that.
0: They're, they're very colorful, so, you know, I, I like the rainbow colors, so they're pictures, you know, if you say, I want a rainbow monkey, it, it'll come up with one for you. Oh, cool. How is 5G technology impacting the way we use the Internet and connected devices?
1: Um, from what I understand, it just makes it quicker. And faster. But I'm probably way off on that.
0: Well, it's it's internet like you get on your phone. Okay. But it's fast enough that you could use it on a desktop computer. Okay. I really don't think people are getting into it the way they thought people would. Uh, I mean, people definitely want faster internet on their phones. But when they have to jump through hoops to do the same thing on their desktop computer, I don't think they're doing that. Okay. In fact, um, our internet provider is a cable company. And lately, they've started running commercials saying, if you have 5G, you basically have mobile internet and not real internet. Which, you can't argue that's true. But then they also run commercials that they themselves are getting into 5G. Yeah. So it's
1: they're 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 bad mouthing it, but then turning around and selling it at the same yeah, point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like America, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. I I know
1: exactly what commercials you're talking about too. And then isn't the million million moms marched, um, kind of protesting it because of the commercial, because of the music being used in it?
0: Oh, the, million moms is. Uh, just from the name alone is, is a lie. So oh, yeah. I, I, I don't want to go there.
1: Okay. No. All right. What are the most promising applications of blockchain technology?
0: I would imagine most people don't even know what blockchain technology is.
1: I have no idea. and That's why you're going to be talking the most during this podcast.
0: <laughs> it's a way of authenticating without any kind of centralized server. Some cryptocurrencies started out using uh, just blockchain. I, I don't know. There's nothing inherently wrong with cryptocurrency, but so many scammers have used those terms to build lots of money out of lots of people that now it's the, the, the whole industry has a black eye. Hmm. And... I think it will take a long time before they ever recover from that.
1: Well, a lot of them almost, it looks like they're turning out to be almost like Ponzi schemes, aren't they? Yeah. That's and, too bad. and
0: a lot of the people who want an alternate currency, are they want it because they're doing something illegal that they can't get on real, you know, American tender. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely got its challenges.
1: Wow. Yeah, because, I mean, a few, years, by a few years back, it was going through the roof.
0: And, and for things like identification, like your, the, the idea of your cell phone or your voice print or your, the way your, your, your face print, all those things would work well in blockchain technology. But because it's got such a black eye, I, it'll be a long time before they get any practical uses.
1: Mm.
0: How is the internet of things changing the way we live and work?
1: Oh, I think it's changed everything. Everything. Just from the simple things that we do around the house nowadays, um, to shopping, to paying bills, just, just day to day living. It's, it's helped change everything. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Well, I justify it by saying we're, we both have disabilities and, Oftentimes it's difficult to get up and turn on the lights, so you just say, "You know, turn on the lights," and and it happens. Mm-hmm. That that is how I justify it. But I think in reality, I just like living in a Star Trek future where you can say, "Computer, turn on the lights." And no, it, yeah, it I, I,
1: yeah. I mean, like you said, we do have disabilities, but we we're not that disabled where we we're not confined to wheelchairs with automated voice messaging and stuff like that like we don't have ALS or anything like that but you know it is kind of nice to get up in the middle of the night and and tell Alexa to, to turn on the, the bathroom light or or accidentally tell her to turn on the bedroom light and wake you up <laughs> in the middle of the night
0: well if if you had to get up and put your prosthetic on to go overturn the switch you'd probably just sit in the dark oh yeah and, and I remember when I got home from the hospital with the gallbladder surgery my stomach hurt so bad i did not want to move in that bed let alone get out yeah so it was so nice to anything anything i wanted to know anything you know i wanted to do if i wanted to turn one of the cameras on and see it on the tv whatever i i could do that without having to get up
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and it's well you know look my sleeping isn't my my lack of sleeping schedule but you know, wake up in the middle of the night to use the restroom. It's, you know, I don't put on my prosthetic every time I get up. So it's just easier to get the knee scooter out. And, you know, I want to turn on the lights because the cats seem to like lying right in the way. And whereas they move out of the way for you, they don't move out of the way for me. And
0: That's because I step on them.
1: You step on them. And I will fall over and break my own neck trying not to step on them and mm. fall over them or roll over their tails. So. They're, they they fear, fear you within 10 feet of their lies. <laughs> they won't let you get too close. Whereas me, they will basically lay in front of me.
0: Well, basically, the Internet of Things is very useful, but I probably have it because I want to live in a Star Trek future.
1: Yeah. What are the implications of quantum computing for cybersecurity and encryption?
0: Okay, I happen to know the answer to this question. I'm glad you do. <laughs> um, quantum computing, that is, well, computers now are binary. They're, they break everything down into the simplest pattern of either true or false, on or off. And if you do enough true or falses or enough on and offs, you can, you can encode anything. You can make any program to do anything you want if you just break it down into small enough steps. Well, quantum quantum computers don't have zeros and ones. They have any number of infinite states between zero and one. And therefore, they can do hugely complicated things in a fraction of the time. Let me see if I can think of an example. If you wanted a program to hack your neighbor's Wi-Fi password. You could write a program that starts out and says, and tries A-A-A-A-A, and then tries that A-A-A-A-B, and then A-A-A-A-C, and you could work your way through all the possible password combinations, and it would take you decades, centuries, maybe years, depending on how long the password is, to to finally stumble upon the the right one. Well, quantum computers can do that instead of doing it one at a time it does them all at once oh wow so they can crack can, uh, passwords in in seconds
1: holy smokes
0: and for encryption encryption is well they take two prime numbers very 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 large numbers um i'm i'm not talking about like 5 and 7 here they're they're like 100-digit uh, numbers that are both prime. And when you add, uh, multiply them together, you get another prime number. And you can use that as the key for the encryption. And unless you know what the two numbers it, it, it came from, there's no way to decrypt it. Well, be, because a, a brute force method of going A, 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 to A, 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 B, and on down w- won't work. I mean, you, the the universe isn't hasn't been in long enough to to brute force a decryption of an algorithm like that. But once again, quantum computing can do them all at once hmm. and find it in seconds. And uh, um, a lot of people are worried about that.
1: Yeah, because it sounds like it just no matter what kind of security you have, it's going to figure it out.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that'd be pretty scary if they got in the wrong hands.
0: Uh, I would suspect that to solve that, they will probably end up with quantum encryption as well.
1: Yeah, it sounds like maybe the only way to to slow it down or stop
0: it. Well, that was a long explanation. I'm sorry, everyone. No,
1: no, I'm glad you did, because I had no idea what what it was or even how to begin to explain that.
0: And I probably didn't explain some of it very well or I may have said something that was not correct. I I, I'm not an expert on it, but that's that's the way I understand it.
1: Well, you know quantum's amount of about it more than I do. (laughs) Quantum (laughs) quantum amount of levels of more than I do, so
0: how is virtual reality being used in various industries and what are its future potentials?
1: I imagine they're using it probably for training. I can imagine seeing that. Just training, off the top of my head, could you?
0: Airplane pilots use flight simulators. Yeah. They have for a long time now.
1: Yeah. Role playing.
0: I think the most practical thing that I've seen is the volume that Disney uses to make its um, its movies now. It's it's a room filled with basically high resolution computer screens that project the background of that's going to be used in the movie so the actors can stand right in the very environment that the the movie will have and see, you know, the monsters the way we would see them instead of just standing blindly in front of a blue screen. Oh, okay. That's the kind of virtual reality that I think is probably the most practical.
1: Okay. That's pretty neat. How are companies using data and uh, analytics and big data to improve their operations and decision making?
0: Companies have always done that. I suppose with AI now they have access to bigger data sets, but I, I, I have a feeling that that most managers aren't. Um, they, they don't want to rely on big data alone. I think that a lot of them still. Make decisions on their gut. Yeah, it, it has its future, and it, it it's already being used. But I suspect
1: it's not going to answer all the questions.
0: Well, I I suspect that um, in, in order to get management to use things like that, they have to tell them that it's something else, because mm. they don't they don't want a computer to do their jobs for them.
1: Yeah. Well, do you blame them?
0: What are the ethical considerations surrounding the use of facial recognition technology? Uh, privacy.
1: Would you agree? I mean... What do you mean? Just privacy, just in general. Uh, facial recognition, uh, someone or something always knowing where you're at at any given point.
0: That's a technology that's been around for a while. Oh, um, I know.
1: But wouldn't that be facial recognition?
0: Well, I think the most unethical use of it is when they have cameras in stadiums that sweep across the crowds and look for faces that are are like um
1: like america's most wanted yeah
0: the, the the people that are wanted who just happen to be there and aren't doing anything illegal Um, but it's just a convenient place for them to sweep through a whole lot of people and find someone.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, if they're there and they're, like, say, on the FBI's top, you know, top ten most wanted, I mean, is it solving the problem for the greater good? Or is it impeding on your, your rights as a citizen?
0: I have a feeling that those venues don't want it to be known that those things are going on because well, everybody has a skeleton in the closet. They're, you know, oh yeah. They're, they're afraid they might be found out for something. But I would bet the companies that are seeking those scans are probably willing to pay a lot of money for it. And I don't see how the venues could turn down that kind of money.
1: Yeah. Well, and then there's there's a lot of things going on right now where people are using apps to um, basically photoshop people's faces onto things that aren't actually them. like there's there's a big stink about it. There's an app now that I think Android's banned, and so is Apple that actually would could scan a celebrity's face and put it on social media of them doing or telling or doing doing something and uh, even up to adult-oriented material, like pornography, and um, it's actually not them, but it looks just like them. Looks, sounds, mannerisms, everything like that.
0: I don't think banning it is going to help whatsoever because the people who can afford to do a good job of that are not going to be ethical about it.
1: No, 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 none whatsoever.
0: And just because, you know, you can't get the app on your phone doesn't mean that they're not going to get it some way. Mm -hmm. Criminals are maybe not ingenious, but persistent.
1: Yeah. How are autonomous vehicles being developed and tested, and when can we expect to see them on the road?
0: Well, there's quite a few. Um, I, I think just about every car manufacturer now has some kind of assisted driving at least on highways i know our car it has lane departure alerts and it has uh cruise control so theoretically it could do that for us if, if we wanted uh, yeah they just don't i don't allow it for some reason i
1: well it doesn't tesla say that they can actually drive its own car from point a to point b without i'm,
0: I'm not too sure i know that it can do highway driving I'm not too sure about, you know, around town, but I'm no expert on that. I
1: still don't. Man, you know me. I don't like using cruise control. Let alone, I can imagine getting into a car, even if it was on a highway, and being like, "Okay, let's go to Kansas City," and then just have the car drive up there and me sleep. Or you know what I mean? Not being paying particular attention while driving seventy miles an hour up there. I, I just don't. I wouldn't be able to trust the, the yeah, system. Yeah, I, I,
0: I suppose uh, if they if they restructure the highways to have sensors and things, maybe it would be safer.
1: I mean, I, I could be see you
0: wanting to read a book while you were driving, though.
1: Uh, not if I'm driving. I'm pretty. I don't know. I. You know me. I like. I said. I don't like using cruise control because I don't feel like I'm in control of the car. No. Um, and I know that you, you live and die by it.
0: Yeah. I use cruise control around town even. Yeah. And that's mainly because if you're driving along and you're driving the same speed as everyone else, you're probably going 20% over the speed limit because everyone else is. Hmm. And if, if I'm pushing down on the, the gas pedal, I feel pressured by the other drivers around me to do that. If I set the cruise control in town, I, you know, I know what the what the speed limit is. It will drive at that speed, and the the pressure to drive faster is taken off of me. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, okay. Now I now I understand where you're coming from.
0: That, that's why I do it in, in town.
1: Okay. Well, that's good to know.
0: But I I think it would be wonderful to. Get in a car and tell it where you wanted to go, and you know, take a nap or whatever, and have it wake you when you get there. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's not a Star Trek future because they never had that on Star Trek, but that's a future I would like to see.
1: Well, like, I imagine they they did have some sort, because I mean, if they're traveling light light years and when they're going warp speed, I mean, it's not like they're dodging in and around solar systems on their own yeah I mean,
0: the, those ships probably had cruise control too
1: yeah you know i mean they're if you're going that fast i don't think you'd have the ability to react in time
0: and i'm sure that shipping companies would love to have fully autonomous robot trucks you know that work 24 hours a day and don't have unions and don't take breaks and don't have to pee or anything yeah um I I can see them taking full advantage of that.
1: Yeah, I imagine I imagine they'll be here probably within the next so many years, next decade or two.
0: Probably the only thing holding that back would be the unions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would take away uh, a pretty large uh, job market.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really would.
1: There'd be a lot of people out of work. Although,
0: so, you know, those people can learn to train the the robots instead of driving the trucks. Yeah. Every job that's lost, there's another job gained.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: What are the most promising technologies for sustainable energy production?
1: I have no idea this is another answer for you.
0: Do you even know what the question is? No. (laughs) (laughs) Just being honest. Sustainable energy production, uh, probably the most the the best one would be nuclear fusion now that's not nuclear fission like we currently have where they slam atoms together and make heat which turns it water into steam and drives a turbine that, that's fission fusion is what our sun it uses for its its source of energy it's it's taking one hydrogen atom and or two hydrogen atoms, and put turn them into one helium atom. And it's a more or less self-sustaining thing for millions and millions of years. The, the problem with that is that the sun burns at thousands of degrees, and um, it's, it's not practical for us to do that down here on Earth. But every couple of years, I hear of another group that says that they have cold fusion cold fusion isn't necessarily cold it's just that it's not as hot as the sun however also usually a few months later somebody's done a peer review of it or tried to to uh, repeat their results and and never fa- ne- never accomplish it hmm. so fusion is still kind of a a wish okay but if we could do that there would be plenty of energy, and I think that would be one step towards our Star Trek future because the energy required to make a transporter beam um, would have to be fusion-based or something like
1: that—something that powerful. Yeah. Okay. Well, it looks like we're at the end of the episode. Well, it's been fun doing this episode. It's been a few weeks, so. And
0: this wanna, is a long one. Yeah,
1: I want to apologize for the. The delay on this, so well I guess it's your favorite time of the week right now. So what is your favorite joke?
0: What does the cow say?
1: What does the cow say? hmm No idea.
0: Moo? The cow says moo. Okay. What does the dog say? Rough. Ruff. What does the cat say? Yeah. Tiny humans, your days are numbered. <laughs> okay.
1: That's a good one. Yeah, we got four of those in our house.
0: <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed episode 55 of the Bear and Kura podcast. This is Bear and Kura. Goodbye. Goodbye. You have been listening to the Bear and Kura podcast, a production of the Land of Oz Information Services. We can be contacted via email using the address podcast at oz.com. And Oz is spelled A-W-E-S. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find all the best shows under the rainbow at pride48.com.